we have been going through the earthly life and ministry of Jesus and the message that was brought last week fits into the same context as this week. It was Jesus ministering and talking to the rich young ruler and Jesus telling his disciples that it is easier for a camel to go through an eye of the needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven. And it further said that it was impossible basically for man. But all things are possible with God. And following up that discussion, the disciples do what most of us do. Well, what about me? Well, what about us? You've got to be rich. If, if being rich doesn't get you into the kingdom, we're less than rich. That's what, this is what Peter says in verse 27 of chapter 19 of, of Matthew. Then Peter said to him, being Jesus, Behold, we have left everything and followed you. What then will there be for us? See, about us. What's in it for us? And they're not unlike anybody else. They're like us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I get it. You know, but what about what about me? What's in it for us? Because we have left these things to follow you. And Jesus said to them, "Truly, I say to you, that you who have followed me." In the generation when the Son of Man will sit on His glorious throne, you will also sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. So he first remarks and says, there is a special place for the disciples who are following Him who will become His apostles. That they will judge Israel and the twelve tribes. Now, I'm not going to get into it, but we'll see later in the Scriptures that we are also told that we will be judging. The problem is we always want to get a head start and judge before we're supposed to. Scriptures also tells us, hold up. But there is a place for His other disciples. But Jesus gives the specific thing, this is what will be because you have followed Me in this generation. And He says, and everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father, or mother, or children, or farms, for my sake, will receive many times as much and will inherit eternal life. So he's going, Peter asked, well, we left our families, we left our homes, or we left our houses. And Jesus is saying, not just to you, I'm giving you a special reward. But those who, like you, give up family, or possessions to follow me, they will find that they will have much more. Now, I know this is true even in my own life in the sense of while I did not have to leave my family because they were believers, I had a brother. But I have many, many thousands and millions of Christian brothers and The only thing is, is that sometimes 
in our own household, our own immediate family, we have families that are just not normal, whatever that is. And yet, we kind of bring that to the church as well. And so sometimes our families in the church, our brothers and sisters, are also a little dysfunctional like our family is. But we're not supposed to be dysfunctional. We're supposed to be true brothers and sisters. We're supposed to love each other. We love each other not because of DNA. We love each other because of the blood. And Jesus says, you may give up your family, but there's another family that will be permanent. You may give up your houses, but I prepare a dwelling place for you in heaven. So whatever you think you're going to give up, the Lord will replenish it with abundance more. And as I've said before, in essence, all Jesus is asking us to do is to give up what we cannot keep. To have what we cannot lose. Because it's eternal life. And so he says, these are the things that those will receive who forsake brothers and sisters and forsake mothers and fathers because they will have these in abundance. And also eternal life. Now, I want to stop there because I want to talk to you about something I don't think many of us have thought about. There is a condition of the human person that says, we seem not to appreciate what we have until we no longer have it. There was a, uh, a songwriter, singer, many decades ago named Joni Mitchell. And she wrote a song that I really didn't realize the title of the song. The title of the song was The Big Yellow Taxi. And the lyrics in that song said, Don't it always seem to go that you don't know what you've got until it's gone? They paved paradise and put up a parking lot. And it seems to be the condition of us that we don't really appreciate what it is that we have so we don't have it. And I think when Peter says, well, what about us? I want to share some of the things that Peter had that he seemed not to appreciate. He got to see Jesus in person. He got to follow His ministry. He got to see Jesus love people the way Jesus loved. He got to see Jesus teach with authority the way Jesus taught with authority. He got to see Jesus heal the blind and the deaf and the mute and the lame. He saw them heal them of diseases. He saw them heal those who were demon-possessed. He even raised the dead. Now talk about some exciting stuff to see. He got to participate. Now we see these things because they were written and we believe. But Peter got to experience. But before you think I'm being really harsh on Peter, 
We love to sing songs that says, all the Jesus. Jesus, you're enough. Jesus, you're everything. Until there's something else that I want or need. We are constantly saying in our worship that Jesus is the only thing until He's not the only thing. We don't seem to appreciate when He says that He will never leave us or forsake us. That we don't appreciate that when we're feeling alone. When we don't feel power in our lives that He's told us that He resides in us and that His Spirit dwells in us. We don't seem to appreciate those things that He's given us. The Scriptures don't dwell much about the disciples other than after Jesus' crucifixion, they dispersed and were afraid. It wouldn't be far-fetched, I think, how the disciples during those three days that Jesus laid in the tomb were thinking about how great it was to be with Him. And how life would never be the same again. Appreciate the presence of God in your life. He's not going to take it away. But we need to appreciate what we have. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. Now he's going to say the same phrase in a few more verses. What he's trying to communicate here is that there is an order to things. One of those orders of things is, is that the gospel is to be presented first to the Jew and then to the Gentiles. You see, they are to be first and we're to be last. Then we who are last We'll receive things first. And he's going to communicate this in the next statement. And so starting with Matthew 20, verse 1, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early into the morning to hire laborers for his vineyard. And I want to stop there and I want you to notice a couple things. The owner owns the vineyard. It's his. Jesus is communicating, in essence, the owner of the vineyard is God. And it's His vineyard. You're not going to be a condo owner on this property. He's going to call, not for co-owners, but for laborers. So He goes out early in the morning to hire laborers. And when he had agreed with the laborers for a denarius for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. So he made a contract with them. He goes, I want you to work all day long, and the fair going rate for day's labor is a denarius. That's a day's wages. So he's doing what is commercially and economically agreeable in the time. You work for a day, you get a denarius. It's kind of like, if you will, minimum wage. This is the minimum you get. This is what's agreed. So he agrees with them. They work the day. They get a day's wage. 
And he sent them out in the vineyard to work. And he went out about the third hour, which is like 9 a.m. So he's, he's gone probably early on, like about 6 in the morning. Now he's gone about 9 in the morning. And he's gone out and saw others standing idle in the marketplace. And to those he said, you also go into the vineyard, and whatever is right, I will give you. And so they went. He didn't make a contract with them. He said, I'm going to treat you by whatever's right. You trust me. If you trust me, go work. And they went to work. Now they've gone about three hours less time than the people who started early in the morning. And again, he went out about the sixth hour and the ninth hour and did the same thing. So about every three hours, he's, he's giving them, finding more laborers to go into the vineyard. And by doing the same thing again, he said, I will give you whatever's right. doesn't make a contract with them like he did the first. And about the eleventh hour, he went and found others standing around. And he said to them, why have you been standing here idle all day long? What are you guys doing? Just standing here? You're not doing anything? And they said to him, because no one hired us. And he said to them, you go into the vineyard also. So it's getting to about, they've got about an hour's worth of work. It's getting late in the day. He's found some people who haven't been employed and he says, go into my vineyard and work, and I'll do what is right. And when evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the laborers and pay them their wage, beginning with the last group to the first. Now, the last group is the one who's worked about an hour or so, and he's going to go in reverse order. Reverse order is, the guys who have been here the longest are going to get paid last. The guys who are here the least amount of time are going to be paid first. And when those hired first came, they thought they would receive... I'm sorry. When those hired, about the 11th hour came, and each one received a denarius. And when those hired first came, they thought that they would receive more. But each of them also received a denarius. So the Lord of the vineyard says, you work here an hour, you get a day's wage. You work here all day long, you get a day's wage. Now for us, our reaction is going to be somewhat similar to the guys who have been working all day long. Well, that isn't fair. Isn't it always interesting that we're always talking about what's fair when what's fair doesn't seem to be in our end? And so Jesus is going to tell them. When they received it, they grumbled at the landowner, saying, These last men have worked only one hour, and you have paid them equal to us, and who have borne the burden and the scorching heat of the day. I mean, we've worked all day long. It's not fair that you paid them a denarius, and you paid us a denarius, and we worked all day long. They worked an hour. It ain't. But he answered and said to one of them, friend. Notice 
even in their grumbling, they don't become the enemy. He calls them twins. He disputes their opinion, but he still calls them twins. Friends, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not agree with me for a denarius? I'm being fair. We contracted for a denarius. I've paid you a denarius. I've done you no wrong. I have been fair. Take what is yours and go. But I wish to give to this last man the same as to you. Is it not lawful for me to do what I wish with my own? He's saying, if I want to be generous, it's my money. I'm not taking it out of your pocket. I didn't deduct from your wages the denarius to pay to this man. I paid you what we agreed. And if I choose to be generous and merciful to somebody else, that's my business. Or is your eye envious because I am generous? So, the last shall be first, and the first. You see, we will be compensated not based on the length of time, but on when we were called. Now some, like the Jews, were called to carry the Word of God. And God made a contract with him. If you obey what is in the Word, then there will be blessings. If you don't obey in the Word, there will be curses. If you want to live in the land, you do what the Word of God says. If you don't, I'm taking you out. We made a contract. You and I, he made a new contract. Written in his blood. Yes, they were first. When it comes to compensation, they'll be done last. And I suspect God will say to those who are consistently obeying the law, I've done you no wrong. I did. And my promise to you what I said in my promise. And if I wish to be generous to the Gentiles, then it's my generosity. I can do so. And there will be times in our lives as Gentiles, there will be those who are called to the ministry early in life. And there are those who receive the gift of eternal life almost at the end. Is the one who received the calling early in his life to be envious of the one who is called late. Let's, let's look at what the benefit of the one who was called first. He knew he had a job. He knew he would earn a wage. He knew that with that he could provide for his family. The people who sat all or stood, if you will, all the way into the eleventh hour had uncertainty about what their benefits would be, how they could provide. There was security for the first. There was insecurity for the last. 
There was a contract for the first. There was generosity with the last. All too often, we're so busy looking at what other people are doing instead of just working in His labor, in His vineyard. All too often, pastors are so guilty of thinking that their church is their church. And it ain't. It's His. It's His vineyard. And if it grows, it's because of the laborers God brings. And he has called us to labor. And he has called us to work while it is daylight. He has said, even to his disciples, while it is daylight, Jesus does what the Father has called him to do. And we as well are to labor in the daylight. Well, when is the nighttime? I can give you two instances. Number one, when he comes again. And the second, when he calls you home. And as I tell, and I haven't said this in a while, even when God calls you home, you still have a job. Your job is to tell God in a nice you ask him. Bless FBC West. Because we need it. If you think, well, I'm too sick. How can I minister? You can do one of the greatest ministries there are. You can pray. You can pray persistently. You can pray consistently. You can pray and pray and pray. And it's amazing not what prayer does, but what God does, but you use the mechanism. It's a wonderful ministry. Maybe the reason you can't get outside is God is wanting you to pray. But if you can do that, then do labor is a lot of people love the labor in large churches they want to sing before large crowds they want to play their instruments before large crowds and the sad thing is their job is not to play or sing before large crowds it is to worship him and help you to worship him. the audience is always the same no matter how many people are sitting in the pew. It's God. And I want us to get heaven jealous. Look at those people at FEC West. They're redeemed. They know what it is to receive mercy from God and see how they rejoice and sing for joy because they have been called, they've been redeemed. And we can't sing that way. So let's stop our praising and watch them praise God. Wouldn't that be wonderful? That the moment of silence of God is in heaven is because they're going, we got to wait and see what FBC West is. They know how to do it right. And that doesn't matter whether there's 10,000 of us 
or two or three. Just where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is. There are other things you can do. You can invite somebody to church. Even if they say, you know, I live too far away from your church. Fine, I'll find you another church you can go to. You see, because we're not building this kingdom, which I love for us to have more people. I'm going to be honest with you, I'm not that. I wish we had more people. But the purpose is not to build this kingdom. The purpose is to build the kingdom of God. If that means they go to another church, wonderful. As long as they preach the word of God, we need to labor. It's called work. It's a four-letter word that we don't like. But we are to labor. We are to work in His field for His glory, for as long as He has called us. And if He blesses us with some success, awesome. If He blesses us in this lifetime with no success, awesome, because we didn't work for the success, we worked for His glory. There have been missionaries who have spent their entire ministry whether it's been in India or in other parts of the Middle East or Far East, who have seemed to have thought they were failures because no one came to know God, or very few. And then the next missionary who shows up reaps bounty. Because that missionary didn't stop because there wasn't success. He continued planting seeds. He let somebody else water he lets somebody else harvest. But you don't grow a crop unless you plant seeds. As Paul says, some plant, some water, there's a harvest. Not your field, not your vineyard. Your job is just to do And so, I want to close with this thought over again. Appreciate the presence of God no matter what the circumstances. You may not know what you got. Fortunately, they cannot pave paradise and put up a parking lot. But they could tear down churches and places of worship and put up a mall. Except apparently now malls are out anyway. Who knows what? And the second stop looking at what others are doing and what other ministries are doing. Put your head down and work in his vineyard. Work in his vineyard by sharing the gospel. Work in his vineyard by encouraging others when they start a 
falter, you feel depressed or unimportant. Pray for the ministry. Pray for laborers. Pray for the blessings. And instead of being curious about what God is going to reward you as what is fair, I would much rather receive from God not what is fair. I want His generosity. I want His favor. I want Him to say, yeah, you know, my servant Joe, he didn't speak all that well. He didn't pastor where thousands of people came to know me. He wasn't all that successful when it comes to ministry. But he loved me. He was faithful. And he hung in there. I'm going to be generous and give him more than he deserves. That's who our God is. And if I only get what I am deserve, that's still more than I deserve. Because that's our God. We are going to sing a song as a part of our reflection. Until the whole world hears. Now you might think, well, okay, that has an ending date. Not really. Because there are people born every moment. So there are people always being born who need to hear the gospel. So we are busy until the whole world hears. If the whole world won't hear, keep being born. But we will be busy until he calls us. And all God's people.